0: morning church family how was everybody this morning yeah. very good very good i just want to say i know the video said it but i wanted you to hear it from me happy mother's day to my moms and grandmas and uh I, and our church what i love too is we have so many spiritual mothers in the house as well who just pour their lives out into all the people here at the bridge church so thank you guys so much and we believe it's a day of celebration also a day of memory Uh, A day to honor, uh, because I I do know that uh, this day comes with a lot of mixed emotions sometimes. And so uh, my prayer today is that we can be uplifted, we can be encouraged, we can be empowered. And the spiritual principles that we're talking about uh, in the story of the, the Bible that we're talking about today, their story the story in the Bible that we're talking about today. I believe the principles are universal across uh, no matter who we are. And um, so my prayer, if you're, if you're wondering, especially if you're kind of a type A personality, like where are we going today? Uh, I want you to know and realize that God, when Jesus came on this earth, and especially when he started doing miracles, he came to say, I'm doing something new. I'm bringing this new wine. I'm making a new way for life. And he, he is coming as the way The truth and the life and so you may be sitting here today and kind of wrestling with a lot of things that are going on and my uh, statement is is that God wants to continue to do something new in us continue to give us life give us hope and show us the way through and to comfort where he needs to comfort again peace where he needs to give peace and so my hope is that we can just take a few moments I know life can get a little crazy sometimes right and we can just take that off a little bit and we can lay it at Jesus' feet for the next few moments and just, just to receive his word, to receive what the Holy Spirit would do in us and through us today. Uh, but before we jump in, uh, we're going to be in John chapter 2. John chapter 2, if you have your Bibles. If not, we're going to put it for you on the screens as well. But John chapter 2, we're going to break through this beautiful story, this beautiful miracle that Christ uh, started doing right at the beginning of his ministry. But before we do that, I want to pray and ask God to speak to our hearts here today. Um, Before I pray, I just want to say you guys look really great today. Look great. I I love it. Uh, I love. Yeah, I had to take my sports coat off, you know, because, uh, you know, I get excited up here and uh, I need room to to move. You know, I got to get my room to move here. Uh, But it was great seeing everybody coming in, and uh, if you're joining us for the first time, I know we mentioned this earlier, we'd love to connect with you. So if you'd like to fill out that Connect card, we'd love to uh, walk this journey with you. And uh, we believe that God has something for each and every one of us, and he is so good, he can meet us right where we are. Uh, But let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Yeah, thank you for everything that you have done for us. I pray that you would... Uh, Just supernaturally do something in us today, God. I pray that uh, no matter where we are in our relationship with you, maybe we don't have a relationship with you, God. And we're just we're here to hear about you, hear about God, hear about church or God. Maybe that um, there's somebody here today who's been following you for 30 plus years, 40 plus years. God, I pray that today you do something new in us. I pray that we take new ground in our faith. I pray that you stir something up in us. Maybe that has been laying dormant for a while. God, I pray that you empower us, encourage us. I pray for your supernatural peace just to fall on this place, God. I pray that the Holy Spirit would move. And we ask all this in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Didn't the worship team just do a great job? I love that. Good job, guys. Good job. Um at the end of the uh, at the end of the service, we're going to invite all the ladies. If you want to we have a lemonade bar that's over there, a photo booth for moms, and so we hope that you plan to stick around, maybe connect with another mom as well during that time. Uh, we want to invite you to do that. It's going to be great. And uh, maybe you can grab that quick picture uh, with your family too that we always like to cherish and, and stick together on. So I want to give you this question today. Uh, we're in John chapter 2. We're talking about the story of Jesus. And I want to help answer this question. How do we build a spiritual legacy? How do we build a spiritual legacy in our lives? So how do we build a spiritual legacy for us? But maybe we're wrestling with that. How do we build it for multiple generations down? And I believe that can be a question for us. And maybe you're a first generation Christian. Maybe for the first time in your family's life, you're a Christian and you're walking this journey. You're going, it wasn't passed down to me. So how do I start to build a spiritual legacy in my family? How do I help lead that, right? Or maybe uh, your parents were Christians, their parents were Christians, their parents were Christians, right? Like how do I receive the baton and how do I pass it on to the next generation, right? Whatever it may look like, uh, I hope to help gain some clarity, give some clarity of what that can look like. And uh, we have a really incredible story that we're looking at today in John chapter 2. This is right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And actually, this is the first miracle that Jesus performs in the New Testament. So this is one of the first things Jesus is about 30 years old. And this is pretty special because we get to peek into the window and watch a little bit of conversation that Jesus has with his mom. Jesus has a conversation with his mother as he walks into this and is ushered in of showing his glory to the world. And so as we think about that, the book of John starts in John chapter 1 with this uh, amazing statement. He spends the entire first chapter. Have you noticed in the book of Matthew, uh, they start with the genealogy, right? Because he is speaking primarily to a Jewish audience. And he wants to prove that Jesus is the Messiah. And he wants the people who have studied the Old Testament to see that Jesus is coming through the lineage, right? And then this is who we've all been waiting on. But the book of John, he wants us to realize the deity of jesus the lordship that jesus is god and he starts off in john chapter one and he says in the beginning was the word right and and the word was god and the word was was dwelt in his flesh among us right like jesus dwelt among us and he wants us to know that jesus is god but yet he didn't stay in heaven. He dwelt among us. And he, we, when we want to get a picture of what God is like, we look to Jesus. And we can see what God is like through the life of Jesus. And then in John chapter 2, we jump right into the action where, get this, okay? Okay. So uh, there's this wedding, and during this time in this Jewish culture, weddings would last for multiple days. I'm talking about a celebration, a party that would happen, not just one day, almost sometimes five days, six days, seven days, right? Could you imagine uh, funding that wedding, right, going on for seven days, and family just keeps showing up day after day? And it'd be fun to experience, but I don't know about forking the bill, right? Um, And as we're thinking about this, Jesus and his disciples and his mom, they get invited to this wedding. Uh, Many scholars kind of go around and about about whose wedding this was. But obviously they were close to Jesus's family, close to Mary, and they invited Jesus. And then Jesus here right at the beginning of his ministry, he now has 12 disciples and so I don't know if they knew this. So they just said, hey, Jesus, come bring your disciples too." And so this is really the beginning of the disciples following Jesus as well. So all of this is brand new. They're not really sure what's going on. But I just love the fact that the, one of the first times that they're hanging out as disciples of Jesus, where do they go? to a wedding right or to a party they're going to this celebration right like they're like oh okay this is going to happen and Jesus takes them to this wedding well uh, as the wedding progresses we see this conversation ensue between Jesus and his mom and so let's lean in here and take a look here in John chapter 2 everybody ready feel good very good John Chapter two, verse one, it says this. The next day, there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus's mother was there and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities. So Jesus's mother told him they have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem. Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. "'Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, "'Fill the jars with water.' When the jars had been filled, he said, "'Now dip water, uh, now dip some out and take it to the masters of ceremonies.'" So the servants followed his instructions." When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though, of course, the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. After the wedding, he went to Capernaum for a few days with his mother, his brothers and his disciples. Right. So Jesus and his disciples show up to this wedding. Right. The family, friends of the family are there. They're having a good time. And all of a sudden they realize multiple days into this celebration, the wine is running out. And Mary sees this as a problem, and she sees this as a problem on multiple levels, but primarily uh, wine in those days uh, carried a little different meaning. They would have wine with almost every meal. I don't know about breakfast, but they would have wine a lot, and it was a, almost a different kind of wine than maybe is popular here in the States. And uh, it was a part of their culture to have that. But in fact, we're going to get to this in a little bit later, uh, it was a sign of honor for them to be able to serve this, this hospitality for those who were coming. And so when Mary saw that they had ran out and there were still multiple days left to go in the celebration, she felt bad. She felt, even felt some of the responsibility of going, wait a second, they ran out. This is going to be shameful for this family. All these people have shown up to celebrate their family and now the wine has ran out, right? And this is what Mary does, right? It's, what does Mary do? She goes to Jesus, And she begins to have this conversation with Jesus. Now, we don't know uh, a lot about the childhood of Jesus, right? We don't know. But the Bible tells us this is the first time that he showed his glory, right? So so that indicates to us that he wasn't out doing all these miracles where Mary was like, yes, this is Jesus. Look at all the miracles that he's doing. Mary is going off of who Jesus was as he was growing up and what the angel said at Jesus' birth, right? Because Jesus hadn't started doing miracles yet. But Mary still knew and Mary still believed that Jesus could do something, right? And here he is at the age of 30. And I know as you get older, our relationships with our parents change a little bit, right? And uh, as we get older and, and it's, it's funny, the older we get to and as our parents get older, sometimes the, the role begins to change where uh, maybe we become the caretaker. Right. And we're giving back in that situation or or maybe there's some times where there's some wrestling in our relationship with our parents. Right. And we have to navigate through all of that. And uh, you're, you're walking through all these different scenarios of life. Well, Mary comes to Jesus And Mary asked Jesus a request. And so I want to give us four life lessons of how to build a spiritual legacy inside of our life. And the first life lesson is this one here. It says, be an intercessor on people's behalf. Right. Be an intercessor on people's behalf to Jesus, because what does Mary do? She goes straight to Jesus with her problem. Right. She goes, I I need to tell Jesus this at the very least. Maybe he has some wisdom over what we can do. But I really think that she knew that the time was coming for Jesus. And now look at this conversation that Jesus has with his mom. Okay, Uh, before you send this text message to your mom, like, let's just remember who Jesus is here for a second, because this is Jesus's response. They have no more wine. And then Jesus goes, dear woman, that's not our problem, right? Now, before you talk to your mom like that, okay, we need to understand the context. I highly wouldn't recommend it. I grew up in a generation where uh, things would fly before we'd have a conversation, right? And so uh, we need to remember what this could look like. And she says, dear, he says, dear woman, this is not our time. And this is kind of a, a small rebuke on Jesus's part. Right, because she's bringing her request to Jesus, but Jesus is referring back to his deity and to his messiahship of going, hey, my time is not here yet. I know we want to provide for this family. I know we want to do this special thing, but my time Is not ready yet. And so he's kind of reminding even his mom the purpose in which why he is there. He's kind of reminding her of going, hey, this is the reason I've come and it's not time yet. Right. And so we see this and I love this. All my moms in the house, you know, this is a great thing because moms kind of just have this supernatural way of knowing. Right. They just kinda know. Uh they know they know your you know your kids way better than you know your kids, right? Like they could say something and the moms turn around and go, Wait a second, you said that, but I really know what you were saying, right? I knew what, what you were thinking, right? Like I helped create you, right? And so in true mother fashion, Mary has this conversation with Jesus, and Jesus goes, Hey, this is not a problem. This is not my time. And Mary turns around and goes, Hey, okay, listen whatever he tells you to do, I need you to do it, okay? Like, I'm not going to argue with Jesus here, but whatever he tells you to do, uh, just just listen to whatever he says, okay? It's like, you know how your mom, yeah, you know, you're having a conversation with her, she'll just kind of pat you on the chest, I know you'll make the right decision, right? And just kind of walks away, like, I know you're going to make the right decision here, okay? Just whatever he's going to tell you to do, let just just do that, okay? Uh, but I think it's a really great lesson for you and I, even Mary being the mother of Jesus, and I can't imagine the whirlwind of emotion that she was feeling during that time and the pressure and the weight of the responsibility right but I love this and what a great principle for you and I that no matter what the problem or the situation is we first go to Jesus right we first and most often send it to Jesus and and then not only that Mary is trying to solve not her own problem right She's trying to solve her family's or her friend's problem, right? And so she's going to Jesus on their behalf. And so you and I, as building a spiritual legacy, one of the greatest things that we can do is be an intercessor for those who we are investing in, for those who are in our family circle, for our kids of of raising up. Maybe we're investing in somebody spiritually. We're discipling them. We can be an intercessor on their behalf, and we don't need to underestimate the power of prayer in our kids' lives. I'm telling you, I am a product of a praying mom who would, not give up when I was running away and chasing all the things of this life. She continued to pray for me, continued to believe that God was going to pull me back in. And he did. But God, uh, when we call on the name of God, we're, we're inviting God into that situation. And so whatever the problems we may have, maybe we want to pray for those who are investing in. And I'd love to give you some examples of what to pray for. Pray for their heart. Pray for God to soften their heart so they can receive God's word. Pray for salvation. Pray for their friends, right? Pray pray for who they're going to hang out with, that God would bring the right people in the right path for them. Pray for their future spouse, right? God, that you would already prepare the heart for the person who is going to come years from now. Pray for the, maybe pray the armor of God over them. Maybe you want to pray uh, that that God would protect their mind, right, that God would renew their mind. And so they don't have to struggle with some of the things, but yet they can release those things to God. Pray for wisdom as they make decisions. Pray for the people who God continue to surround these your friends and your kids and those who you're spiritually investing in that we can be intercessors. On their behalf that we can reach out and we can pray for things not only now, but things for in the future. Right. I believe that kind of that principle of I need to pray first and pray often. There's many prayers in scriptures. There's prayers in Ephesians chapter two and Ephesians chapter four that we can pray. We can pray the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter six. We can go through the book of Psalms and pray just over our kids. And and you won't believe what God will do through those prayers. Right. Because we want to we a lot of times, especially for me, I want to jump in there. Right. Like I want to jump in and I want to fix it like I'm ready to fix it. If my wife is venting to me about something, my brain is already figuring out how to fix it. And I got a three step process. Right. But the Lord has taught me, Daniel, close your mouth. Right. And just listen. okay? just just listen here in this moment. And a lot of times, especially with those who we are investing in and maybe our kids, we can sit back and listen As we listen, what's going on in their lives, and now I'm taking mental note of going, okay, that's a big deal to you. I need to pray about that. Oh, you got a little bit of worry about that, about this test coming up, about this friend said that. Okay, let me take some note of this, and I'm going to go to the Lord on behalf for you, right? I think it's such an incredible thing, a beautiful thing that you and I can do to build a spiritual legacy. And as we go back, our kids know maybe uh, there are days where we're praying out loud and they may catch us. And that's not the reason we do it, but they catch us praying for them out loud. Maybe even thanking God for just allowing us and giving us the responsibility to to shepherd them and to lead them and to guide them. And they hear that and they know that. I believe it comes a powerful thing in their mind, too, of when they care enough about me to go to the Lord on my behalf. And I'm telling you, I tell people all the time, pray about everything, everything. Pray, give everything up to God. You may think it's the smallest thing. And I, you know, I really don't want to bother Jesus with that, right? Like like Mary here uh, talking about wine at a party, right? But Mary goes, no, let me bring it to Jesus. Right. This is a problem. This this is a thing. Let me at least bring it to Jesus. But you and I, we can bring everything, every problem, every situation, everything that's going on. We can bring it before Jesus on our behalf. And then God begins to pour down not only on their behalf, but in us and begins to give us wisdom of what we should do, what our next steps should take, what we should do. Right. Because prayer is not just us bringing our requests, but also prayer is listening. Right. And we begin to listen to what God is doing in us and through us. And then I I love this part right here. And this is honestly probably my favorite part in this story right here. This life lesson, too, is pass down the words of Jesus. Pass down the words of Jesus. And I can't tell you a more succinct but powerful, life-changing principle straight from the mother's mouth of Jesus. What does she say? Do whatever he tells you to do, right? Like, man, what a powerful, crystal clear way to live our lives, right? To look to Jesus and go, okay... I'm just going to do whatever you tell me to do, Jesus. I trust you so much with my life. I want you to do whatever you tell me to do, right, as your word says. But not only that, right, but as we are leading our families and, and investing in them, we pass down those words of Jesus. And as he tells us a story, right, we're able to pass it on to our kids. And I love this in Deuteronomy chapter 6. It says this, repeat them again and again to your children. He's talking about the, the commands that God gives us. Talk about Them when you go home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up, tie them around your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates, right? He's saying just have them everywhere, right? One of the things, um, one of my mentors kind of uh, he sparked this in me. He said, What if we knew the parables enough to where we could just tell them as a story, right? And then on the back end, we tell them, Oh, that's a story. From Jesus. I tried it the other day. We're sitting at a dinner table and I start going in and I kind of fumble through it. Okay, okay, well, and you know, I'm fumble through it, I'm trying to I'm telling this parable around the dinner table around my kids, and they kinda of lean in and they're like, Where'd you hear this story from? They could tell it was a parable, like, where'd you hear this story from? I'm like, Can I tell you? This? Jesus began to teach us this story, right? And began to kind of foster this, but it was pretty cool to see. How we could just share it. It's on the lips. It's on our heart of sharing the stories and the teachings of Jesus. And Jesus was a master storyteller, right? Can you remember the days when the whole family would get together and like the grandfather would sit there and he starts just to tell stories? I think it's one of the most one of the things that's a lost art in our society today, right? Where we can sit around and just hear the stories of our lives. And I would encourage all of us if we're building not only a spiritual legacy, but just connecting with our families, Remember those stories and tell those stories to our families. Tell those stories about our kids and what it looked like to grow up. And and, and I would even say, tell the story of your testimony, right? Maybe for the first time your kid hears you weren't always a Christian and you made mistakes, right? And they're going, Mom, right? Dad, I can't believe that, right? And you're like, but then we have an opportunity to what? Point people to Jesus. To go, look, this... Is who Jesus is. This is how he can, because we're passing it down to Jesus. And here's the thing about Mary's response she just didn't say, hey, listen to what Jesus said. But what did she say? Do, right? Do whatever Jesus tells you to do. And if you want life transformation in your life, maybe you've been headed, coming to church for years now, and you're like, ah, it's getting kind of stagnant. You know, I, you know, I hear the words or maybe I even read scripture some and and I just don't have that same fire when I first came to know Christ. And it's just it's maybe those moments right or maybe you've given your life to Christ but you're like, you know, there's got to be something more. There's got to be something deeper. What My encouragement to you would be what Mary says. Do what Jesus tells you to do. You open up and you read Philippians chapter 1 and you read that chapter and you see some of the principles and you turn and go, okay, today we're Right now, I'm going to put into practice what Jesus said. I'm going to put into practice what God's word says. Right. And I turn and I begin to put it into practice at what he is telling me. And I'm telling you, that's when when application hits our life. That's when true transformation begins to happen. When God begins to do a mighty work in us. And we're talking about passing this on. You can tell I get a little excited. I I love this stuff because this is where true life change happens. In our lives, right? I was kind of challenged by the Holy Spirit the other day because maybe I'll talk to my kids about prayer, right? Or I'll talk to my kids about a devotional. But a guy challenged me and said, hey, bring one of your kids and have a devotional with them. You begin to sit down. Let's have a devotional together. Let's write this down, right? Like, we're just not like a teaching, but this is a vulnerable opportunity to go, look, here's how I talk to God. Here, here's some scripture that we're going to read together. Look, I'm going to do it. Now you do it with me here too. And all of a sudden becomes this powerful thing of not just saying it, but we're actually doing it together. And I, and I love that opportunity for you and I because once we put the application part on it, I'm telling you, you better buckle up and get ready because that's when the fire begins to move in us. Because when we start walking and believing what God's word is doing in us, it begins to do something in us. It changes who we are and it does, something because we begin to see that it actually works right that it actually does something it it begins to do a work in us it begins to refine us and change us into who we are and then here what does jesus do right his mary uh, Mary turns to him and says hey do whatever jesus tells you to do and so jesus in his infinite wisdom he listens to his mama right and he he kind of walks in here and he says you know what i need you to take these basins right and he says i need you to fill them up with water and it says that each one was about 20 to 30 gallons. That's not a small thing. Have you ever tried to lift something to the sky? Like a gallon of milk is pretty heavy. This is 20 to 30 gallons apiece. And so the servants go, and what was Jesus' instructions? He says, fill it to the brim. Fill the water all the way up so there's no room for anything else, right? Is I want you to fill all of that up, and I want you to bring it. To me, And the third life lesson that I love for us to get today is we aim to fill and God changes the heart, right? Well, you can't change a life. I can't change their life. Jesus and the Holy Spirit is the one that changes lives, right? But you and I do have a responsibility. He wants us to fill their hearts as much as we can with God's word and God's truth. And I love this about this story because Jesus gives them specific instructions. He says, fill it to the brim. Right. Fill it all the way up, because I believe Jesus, when he's looking at this, he's like, I don't want anybody to have any questions or anybody to think that we added anything else in here. Right. Uh, You know, whenever they train people on how to spot fake money. They walk people through a training, and how they do that now, they kind of have fancy pens that you market with, right? But if you're, if you're in the banking system or you handle cash a lot, what they do is, especially if you're a professional at this, they don't bring you all the fakes, right? For you to look at all the examples of all the fakes, no, what do they do? They bring you the real thing. And they say, study this real thing all through and through. I want you to look at the front. I want you to look at the back. Look how it smells. Look at the hologram and look at every small study. What is right? Study what is true. And then you'll be able to see what is fake. Then you'll be able to follow. Oh, that's a fake. That's not right. That's not true because you know what the right piece of money is. Right. And that's what God is giving you an eye an opportunity to do is where we know God's truth so much. We know his words so much. We are walking so closely with him, right? We don't have to study everything out in the world. We don't have to, have to carry all of that responsibility. But if we know who God is and we study him and we're following close with him, all of a sudden we're like, wait a second, that's not right. That's not true. This can't be right, right? Because Jesus said this, Jesus, hey, he's walking with us this way. And it begins to show us, what this real and authentic Christian life looks like. And I believe that our kids and the people that follow us or maybe we're trying to leave a spiritual legacy somewhere or we're discipling someone, I don't believe they have the expectation for us to be perfect. But I do believe they have the expectation of us to be authentic, to be real, right? Sometimes I know myself, I can carry the weight of I got to do this right i got to do this perfect everything's got to be okay i I can't make any mistakes i got to carry all of the weight i gotta get all of this done right but i really don't believe even our kids hold that onto our shoulders i think they just want to look in our eyes and go do you believe this is this authentic is this real has it changed your life you know is it impacting you And when they see that it's real and impactful and authentic in our life, then they lean in a little further, right? Then they lean in and they can see because so many times, and I am telling, I know I've shared this story before and I actually just heard it again. One of my good friends, Justin McKinney, his kids are grown and both of them, one of them is looking to go into the ministry. And any time I hear about a pastor who has kids and their kids want to be in ministry, I ask them a ton of questions. I'm like, what'd you do? You know, what does it look like, right? Because I want my kids to grow up in that kind of setting and he said you know the only thing that my kids continually say is that dad you never you never tried to make us be perfect and you always kind of came to us when you messed up and you said I'm sorry and we saw that you weren't perfect but yet you were willing to go and apologize and try to reconcile and, and to go forward in that. And I've heard that honestly over and over. I, was, I spent seven years as a youth pastor in that real authentic opportunity for you and I as parents and as disciples to go. You know what? I was wrong there. I messed up. I'm sorry. You know, here, here, I can't, can you forgive me? Will you help me to understand this and walk in this? How far that goes With leaving a spiritual legacy, right? Because the expectation is not to be perfect, but it's to be real, it's to be authentic. Craig Rochelle says this about leadership. He says people would not rather follow somebody who's always right, but somebody who is real, right? People would rather follow somebody who's real than who is always right. And that's an opportunity for you and I, and that's exactly what Jesus did. What did Jesus do with the Pharisees? The time where Jesus was the most like, oh, I can't believe he just said that, right? When he's calling people whitewashed tombs and dirty dishes and uh, he's saying brood of vipers. Who is he talking to? He's talking about the religious people who on the outside are trying to look good and they're saying these bill prayers and they're trying to do all these things. And he's going, hey, you're fake. What are you doing? Right? Like you're, you're doing all of this and your heart is far from me. And God is going, I want to change you from the inside out. And that's an amazing opportunity because God uses broken clay vessels. Why? Because his glory shows through our scars. His glory shows through our brokenness. And people see it's not about me. It's not about us. It's about Jesus doing a mighty work in us. And he can do the same thing in you, son. He can do the same thing in you, daughter. He can do the same thing in you. And I believe that with everything that we have. And God begins to do that work in us us and through us and then i want to wrap up here with this last, last uh life lesson you guys ready still leaning in still good this last life lesson here as we head back to this uh, wine in especially the new testament honestly all the way throughout the bible uh the wine usually represents joy It represented joy that when they talked about that God was going to do this new wine, right? He's going to do this new things because he's the Messiah. And you read through the book of Psalms when it mentions wines, it's usually wrapped around this celebration of what God is doing, right? This this opportunity for joy, this opportunity for enjoyment. And Jesus here in this moment we talked about this earlier, Jesus, it, it honestly wasn't about the wine, right? He says, fill this up to the brim because mainly I want to restore honor to this family and to my mom's name, right? And so for you and I, that joy and honor should be given in the godly home, that joy and honor, and I don't think we talk about honor a lot, and honor is holding someone up in high esteem, right? And we we're saying, we're lifting you up. When we honor God, the Bible even tells us honor, Honor your mother and father, right? It's because we're holding them up in this respectful manner. We're holding the, uh, the high esteem of God. And here's another definition. This, this one is mind-blowing and challenging as well, is that when we honor someone, we are reminding them of the value that they have. Isn't that a beautiful thing? And Jesus was the king of that. I mean, he was pointing to people who were outcasts, people who were ostracized, right? People who were cast out. And he would look at them and he would go, no. You're still valuable. No, you, I can still do a work in you, right? I can still change your life, right? He's reminding them of who they can be. And you and I in a godly home, we reach back in and we reach for the joy of the Lord. We reach to the honor that we can bring because we're honoring not only those we're investing in, right? But we're teaching them to honor those who are around us as well. We're teaching them to honor the next generation in this cycle of honor and respect. Respect becomes reciprocal because we first give it, but we can't give it out of an empty tank, right? We must first receive the joy and the honor from the Lord, right? Because I don't know about you. There's a lot of days, especially in parenting, when the joy is gone, right? Like it's just it's depleted. I am on empty, right? Right. But what does Jesus do, especially in this story? He says, fill this thing up to the brim. And the the servants would go back. And we see this again when he's feeding the 5,000 and feeding the 4,000. Every time, the stories are very, very similar, right? They go back, dip their cup in there, come back, and it's good wine. Then they come back, and guess what? They dip it again. It's more good wine. Then they come back and dip it again. Guess what? It's more good wine. Then they dip it in and go back again. And what happened? More new wine. I don't want to sound redundant there. But we see this happen over and over again. What Jesus is trying to teach us and what more importantly, what Jesus is inviting us into is he saying, I am the new wine and my supply will never run dry. So when your joy is depleted, when your honor is depleted, come back to me. As you read in Psalm 51, what does David say when he's wrestling through one of the hardest moments of his life? He says, God, return to me the joy of what? My salvation, right? Let me go back to the very beginning when Jesus saved me. Because at the very core of who I am, I am saved in Christ. I have received, I believe the gospel of Jesus And my joy flows from that. my peace flows from that, right? Even though the circumstances around me are falling and crackling and the foundation is shaking, I am clinging to the joy of the Lord, right And here's the beautiful thing about joy is that joy and suffering can coexist right in the same soil, soul, right that God is moving and working in us. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is there. The Holy Spirit is dwelling in us. And through us, the joy of the Lord, where we can look at those who we're investing in. And we're not trying to tell them, hey, I got all of this together. Hey, we're just going to plow through this thing. We're going to keep moving. But no, we look at them and go, hey, this is a hard time. This is a hard season. But what we're going to do is we're going to cling to Jesus. We're going to cling to his promises because our joy doesn't come from that. Our joy comes from the Lord, right? And when we leave a spiritual legacy, they begin to see this pattern in our life of going, wait a second, this whole thing is about Jesus, right? This whole thing is about clinging to him. This whole thing is about just doing what Jesus has told us to do. And as that, as God gets that in us and through us, he begins to do a mighty work in us. And so as I close today, the worship team is going to come back up and they're going to sing. And I, I believe that Jesus is giving every single one of us that invitation. He's saying maybe you're in a season where your joy is depleted, where you don't even know what honor looks like. God is saying, good, come to me. Let me fill you back up. Come to me. Let me teach you what honor is. Let me honor you, right? When you give your life to me, I'll show you who I am. Ephesians chapter 2, it says you are God's what? Masterpiece, right? Created in him to do good works. He's like, let me reteach you who you are. Let me uh, shape that identity in you so that you can have the joy of the Lord. Lord. and now you can go back and show people honor right even though maybe they don't deserve it even though maybe uh, they're completely separate from you but now I'm receiving it from the Lord I'm not receiving it from them and God is inviting us he's saying I want you to invite you to that and so maybe for you that first step is I've never given my life to Jesus before And I want to surrender to him. I want to have an opportunity. God, I believe that you are God. I believe that you died on the cross to forgive me of my sins. I believe, God, that you came to life three days later. You resurrected to prove that you have power over sin and death. And God is saying that is the starting point. That's the invitation that God wants to do something in us. Or maybe you're in a season where you're like, Daniel, I need God to do something new in me. I need God to do something new In my situation. God is 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 rebirthing something in me. Or maybe he's stoking something. Or maybe he's refining something else in me. Whatever it may be. Maybe you're in a season where you're just like. God I don't know. You ever been there before? you're like I don't know the future is unclear the future feels foggy and you may be crying out to God going you know what God I need a new vision I need to know what is next but in the meantime I'm going to trust you in the meantime I'm going to do what you say God in the meantime I'm just going to cling on to your promises and so I want to pray for us and just ask God to speak to our hearts and uh, the first prayer I want to do is if you've never given your life to Jesus before I want to give you that opportunity I want to help walk you through that of what that looks like and the Bible says if you confess with with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you can be saved. And that is the first step that God wants for every single person. Every single person. That's the first step that he wants is for you to to trust him with your life. And so I just want to pray for us and let's pray together. If you've never prayed this prayer before, you've never given your life to Jesus before, uh, you could just pray this prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I know that I'm disconnected from you. God, I know that I've missed the mark. God, I pray that you would save me. God, I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe that you rose again. God, I pray that you would save me and change me. And I'd love for it. I'm just going to real quickly just shoot your hand up. I want to see your hand. I want to pray for you. It's just me and you and God right now. I see your hand. I just I want to pray with you. Anybody else just going to pray with you here today. I want to start my relationship with God. I see your hand. Praise God. And real quickly, this is something I don't do every time, but maybe you're going in a seat. This is just me, you, and God right now. Maybe you're going don't fall asleep. This is just an opportunity of saying, "Dan, you know, I need God to do something new in my life right now. I'm wrestling through some things, and I just need a a clear vision of what that is. And just shoot your hand up. I'd love to pray for you. Just shoot your hand up. I see you. I see you, I see you, I see you. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we're coming to you today and we're accepting that invitation that you are the new one in our lives, God. God, thank you for all of these miracles that you did. and Not only that, that you empowered people to record them down so we can see them, God. That it would stoke the fire in us. God, I pray that we would cling to your promises. I pray right now, especially, I know some raise their hands, but maybe there's some online or uh, here can hear the sound of my voice. And God, I'm just praying that you would, uh, as they're crying out to you, that you would bring them clarity, God. God, we're not believing that you have to give us everything, but God, we're praying that you would just give the next step. God, I pray that uh, we would do exactly as Mary said, just do what Jesus tells you to do, God. I pray that you would give us the faith to take that step God and just like the Israelites God as we take that step into the river you begin to part the seas God and I pray that we trust you for that step and for the next step and for the next step God until so we're running after you Jesus God we love you so much thank you for saving souls still today thank you for doing a redeeming work we love you we ask us in Jesus name everybody said Amen, amen. Uh, we're gonna, If you'll stand and worship with us, um, we're still going to be up front, so if you'd still like to receive prayer for anything specific in your life, we're going to be available, but let's worship together. Thank you for tuning in to the Bridge Church Podcast. If you would like to find out more information about our church, you can simply visit our website at thebridgebluffton.com. Have a blessed day.